Welcome back. I'm Simi Lerner, and this is the Judaism From Within podcast, the focus on the thoughts, the writings, and the general approach of Rav Shamshan Rafal Hirsch. We're working our way through Chorev, and we're now on the Commandment 52 within the framework of the Mishpatim, those laws that we understand by dint of being human ourselves. Till now, we've covered many areas of general mishpatim, or categories of justice, we're now moving further and further towards, let's call it, the abstract. Last week, we dealt with something that was more disconnected, the idea of restriction and vexation. Previous to that was lying and hypocrisy. You can see how it's moving um, further and further away from the physical, I have property and you damaged it. Now we're on a next stage, which we would classify under the abuse of power. Not so much that I'm restricting or I'm troubling you or, as we described it, stealing your happiness, draining the joy from your life through my vexation or oppression. What I'm doing here now is I'm taking advantage of a weakness. Now, the psychology that goes into this commandment is more subtle. What does it mean to take advantage of a weakness? It means I have to be able to take your perspective and then have empathy or give in to the darker side and take advantage. And this is what I think the psychologists or the cognitive scientists called mindsight. The ability to take your position, to take the third person, to be able to see the world from your standpoint. This goes quite far back in human history. That's where rituals come into play. When we meet a person, we shake their hand. We ask them how they are doing. This is the ability to be able to see the world from their point of view. This can be done for the good, or it can be done for the bad. If it's done for the good, we call it empathy. I see the world through your standpoint. And this can be split up into three categories. The emotional, the physical, or the intellectual. If I can take your standpoint on either of these positions, and there is a weakness there, I can be able to draw out empathy, be there for you in the areas that you most need. But using it for the darker sides is when I can see the world through your point of view, and I can exploit your weaknesses. What do we call this in um, Jewish jargon? Not putting a stumbling block in front of a blind person. That's where this law is extracted from. Or the seducer who draws his friends and his family to worship idolatry. What is, what is happening there? In both these cases, you have a person taking advantage of a deficiency in the other. Either in the case of drawing people along the road of idolatry, it's the intellectual or the emotional deficiency, a stumbling block in front of a blind person is the physical deficiency. So what Refesh does is Refesh plays out each three, each one of these three areas of the human condition and shows how one would take advantage of the other in this respect. In the area of the physical, the person is lame, the person is blind, the person is handicapped in some way. We can easily imagine how you can take advantage of that situation. And when people put it in a very stark way, we often draw ourselves away from that being me. I'm not going to actually put a stumbling block in front of a blind person because I'm not evil. But will I take advantage of a person who I know is slower? Would I take advantage of a person who I know hasn't got the ability to lift quite what I can lift and use that to my advantage? That's already physical abusing my ability over him in a way that isn't yashar. It doesn't mean I shouldn't try my best. Of course I can. But we know where the jump takes place from me doing my genuine best to exploiting a physical weakness on the part of the other. 
Ruth Hirsch draw this in, draws this into our responsibility to children. He actually plays the child out on every level of the, the hierarchy, from physical to intellectual to emotional. The children in our lives exist on every one of those levels because they are physically weaker than us, they are intellectually not as developed as we are, and are emotionally more vulnerable. Rathesh focuses in on the responsibility for children. The way he phrases it, you should be the eyes for the blind, you should be the staff for the lame, support for the sick, and a guardian to the children. You are supposed to be a guide to them. You are supposed to be a responsible role model to the children. And the children is the great moving part here because they apply everywhere. So dealing with the physical, let's move to the intellectual. This is obviously more easier for us to relate to. The more abstract we go when it comes to not living up to our expectations, we can relate to it more because the less connected it is to the physical world, the more likely we are to be susceptible to it. So take the intellectual. This is obvious. When you're teaching someone, when you're giving someone advice, this is the stumbling block you can put in front of them. And Ruth Hirsch stresses, especially in the area of moral failing, don't write something. Don't advise a person. Don't put in front of a person something and say, well, it's their decision whether they should indulge or not. All I'm doing is writing something down. Let them develop it. Let them think about it. No, you have to take responsibility for what you write, for what you say. For example, I put forward an interesting question. I ask questions, but I don't give any advice about how to go about getting the answer. You get this sometimes in education where a teacher will put forward a very complex and seductively confusing question about religion and ethics and just leave it on the table. The point of it, it's like a, um, you could call it like a uh, mental bug, where they put it down and allow you to develop it and think about it, and, but that's not fair. Yes, there's a, uh, a reason why you should let a student think about an idea, but if your intention is just to vex the person because you know they haven't got the tools or the cognitive ability to solve the problem specifically in a moral framework, that's not fair. You have to take responsibility for your teaching, but also giving people advice. You are an expert at cars. You can give advice in the area of cars, and you could be tempted to give the wrong advice when it comes to benefiting yourself. This we have to focus on as being one of the lowest forms of disrespect to Hashem that we could possibly engage in. When the Jewish people, before they enter into the land, Rav Hirsch points out that they go into the two mountains, and curses are articulated. Both blessings and curses are articulated. And the ones that are articulated in reference to the curses are the ones that fall under the social radar. Curses he who misleads the blind. Why, why is that considered such a low villain? It's because he is under the radar. For all intents and purposes, he's a good person. But we know there's a moral decay there that the Torah has to let him know that God is watching and God is aware, and he is cursed. So just to play out our story so far, we've got the physical, that you can take advantage of a person. In its most iconic form, it's taking advantage of the blind. Moving further down the road of abstraction, you have the intellectual, people who aren't as smart as I am, and thereby I use that as a way of manipulating or taking advantage. That is also putting a stumbling block in front of a blind person. Not because you're putting a block there, because you're misleading the blind in this category. And we can see that both children apply to both these categories. But the last one is perhaps the most insidious. The idea of 
taking advantage of the heart, the emotion. The people who are emotionally sensitive, taking advantage of them, I think the language we would use is gaslighting, is when you use your ability and power over their emotional framework and their trust in you, and you abuse it. That, for Rev Hirsch, is described as the lowest form of villainy. The person who takes a person, it's given its most pure expression, in a person who leads another person down the road of idolatry. Rav Hirsch describes a person who does this, leads a person down the road of moral decay, leads a person down the road to sinning through their power, through their influence. We call Hashem a God of love and a God of mercy, but there is one exception, the seducer. The seducer has no clemency, has no mercy. That is the lowest, blackest villain that we have within Judaism. He who is pushed outside the realm of receiving mercy. The person who can take the other and manipulate and abuse, that person we consider truly evil because they know what they're doing because they have the intellect and they know what it means to take the other's perspective. They should be expressing empathy, but instead they're expressing villainy. They're expressing evil by taking advantage of the other person's trust in them. So what they're doing is using a good virtue of trust and using it to pollute the other, using it to twist the other. That is the darkest form of stumbling block that you could possibly put in front of another person. Drawing it down to everyday life, it's when classic abuse takes place, but also more subtle forms of abuse, where advantage is being taken for a person's gain or advantage. Every one of these has a level of darkness. And on some level, perhaps we all play around at the very, very furthest point. But we have to focus in on the real darkness of what we're coming close to when you subtly change your attitude in relationship to another because you think that they will react to you better. How much of that is being genuinely you and how much of that is your ability to manipulate the other? Looking sad at a certain point because you know you'll exhibit a certain emotion. You're playing a lie, and you're drawing the other person along because of your lie. Yes, when it comes down to it, the most extreme forms of physical um, abuse, of taking advantage of a person's physical weakness, or intellectual weakness, or emotional weakness, most people are not going down that road. But on some level, we all dance around the top. And recognizing that we dance around the top is really perhaps, we could say, and this I'll end, the epitome of what or the, the most potent expression of mishpatim. Because mishpatim is predicated on my ability to take your perspective. And thereby I know how to act in justice. Rav Hirsch is pointing out here that your ability to take the other's perspective is supposed to be the foundation of justice. And you're using that ability to take advantage and live out injustice. So, Mitzvah 52. The taking advantage of the emotional, the physical, or the mental for your own advantage. And on that note, to end with that can we all perhaps grow in a small way, move a small way in the merit of the war, in the merit of the war that's happening now in Eretz Yisrael, in the merit of the soldiers that are in the front line, the hostages who are still in Gaza, the people who have been damaged, the people who have been hurt, the people who are still suffering in Eretz Yisrael, and that expansion to the rest of the world where people are experiencing a new level of anti-Semitism. May we all be blessed to see better times and yeah, 
Have a wonderful week and a great upcoming Shabbos.